on Friday as I sat in my office beginning the process of uh, typing up the manuscript for this sermon so that I could get it submitted to our translators. My thoughts wandered from what I was doing to some of those dear people in my life. Some family members, some church members with whom I had served for a period of time, but all of those people, some of them, even some of my high school friends, all of them held in common that they stood in the way of Hurricane Harvey as he began to bear down on the Texas coast. And I thought of those family and friends of mine as they prepared to do battle with Harvey. My mind went to my past and my experience of the past and preparing for and being ready to deal with hurricanes as they came in. Teresa and I have uh, survived a couple of hurricanes. And I especially remember not so much the hurricane itself, but all of the preparation process that happens. It's an amazing thing to consider how hundreds of thousands of people in one area can find themselves at Walmart all at the same time. It's not hard to believe that when you walk onto the water aisle. It's amazing how much your focus gets tuned into the things you really need in times of battle. And that water aisle will be vacant because you were just about an hour too late to get there. My mind went back as I sat in my office to all of those people, some of whom currently are in harm's way, to be sure. We should be praying for them, just so you know. Those battles are far from over for them, our Christian brothers, many of whom cannot even have church today because of the weather conditions around them. That serves as a pretty good launch point for us today as I consider in our ongoing series. Now, actually, next week will be the final one in our First Things series. But as I have tried to begin the process of being your pastor and uh, preaching these services, I've tried to start with this focus on first things, not just first in sequence, but first in priority. Those things that help us to, to kind of build a foundation together as we go forward. And today's passage, which is Joshua chapter 5, and I'll inter uh, invite you to turn there with me. But today's passage opens up something for us at the point of being battle ready. One of the realities in our life as we walk through it each day is that uh, battles and storms, if you prefer that term, are part of the landscape of our lives. Years ago, my brother and I were driving across Kansas on our way to Colorado to do some backpacking, and we got into this discussion about battles in life. And he made a profound statement. I remember it because my brother never makes profound statements, or so it seemed. And he said this. He said, you know, Mark, we don't get to choose whether we have battles or not. We only get to choose how we handle the battles that we have. That's profound. And so as a church and as individuals as part of this church today, what I'd really like for us to do is talk about being battle ready and what that looks like. And so we come to this passage, and Joshua models for us something. And the reality, that ongoing reality of our lives 
that says that, that battles just come by the truckload sometimes. We, we, they, and it, they reach across the spectrum of our lives. We, we find them at every turn, and sometimes we find them where we would least expect them, and that's part of the problem for us. Joshua models for us how to be battle-ready. And as we come to this passage, it's actually one of those, those ones that we overlook a lot. Even with our young children, we teach them about Joshua and the battle of Jericho. And you remember that, how the children of Israel marched around and blew the trumpets and the walls just crumbled? That, that's a huge story in the overall sweep of biblical history. But this little event that we look at today happens just before that. And it happens in the life of this guy named Joshua, who was Moses' uh, next in line. Now Moses is off the scene. Joshua is the commander of the children of Israel. He's their leader. He is the new Moses for them. And before they go into battle across the river at that fortified city that had stood for centuries, many centuries by this time, we find Joshua being prepped for battle by none other than God himself. Joshua chapter 5, beginning in verse 13 and when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and he looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with his sword, with, excuse me, with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worship and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. How do you or how should you prepare for life's battles? Two big principles that we find here today. There are more in here, but we'll just try to get to these two. Here's the first one. If you're preparing for the battles of your life, if we as a church want to prepare well for the battles that lurk out there in the future for us, the first thing that we need to get is that we need to know that battle ready requires discernment. This grows out of verse 13. And part of the truth here is that we need to understand and discern the nature of the battle that we're about to fight. Sometimes we need to discern whether or not it's a battle worth fighting. You know, some people just love to fight, and so if there's not a reason to fight, they'll just create one. Seems like our lives fall into that category from time to time. Not so much that we're the ones wanting to fight, but something or somebody out there seems to always be bringing up battles. Look at Joshua's demeanor here. You almost have to read between the lines a little bit. I don't believe that it's straining the text for us to make this observation. Maybe we just put ourselves into the story and we understand a little bit better. But, but notice the situation here. This is a battle scenario. Joshua is ready to go across. I mean, he is at the point of making the decision that says, charge, let's go get Jericho. And all of a sudden, somebody, some entity, something shows up in front of him, but notice how he shows up. Verse 13, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. Put yourself there. If that was you in Joshua's shoes, 
And all of a sudden, and remember, the battle has been waged or it's just about to be waged. And all of a sudden, standing in front of you is someone with a sword. Let me, let me put it this way. Ask yourself, if I showed up at the pastor's house and I knocked on his door and I was brandishing a sword, how might he open the door and respond to that? Oh, how I might. Let's put it off of sword talk. Let's put it right down here in modern day reality. What if somebody showed up at your front door and you open the door and they're holding a pistol and pointing it right straight in your face? How would you respond to that? You see how much more real this gets when you put yourself in the situation? Josh was ready to go to battle, and all of a sudden, standing in front of him is a warrior with a drawn sword. And Joshua is forced in the moment to make a decision, what's going on here? So he opts for questions that define the moment. His question is, I'm going to put it in Roe Trammell translation for the day, whose side are you on? You on our side? Are you on their side? Why do you think he asked that question? You think he just wanted to know for future reference? Or was he about to get mixed up in this battle that's right in front of him? So Joshua clarifies and gets information that he needs to understand exactly what is going on. Most of us do a pretty good job when we're confronted with a situation where the sword is drawn and we're looking face-to-face in the battle. We do pretty well with that. We recognize threats against us, and we typically respond pretty quickly to those things. But the things that eat our lunch are those battles that spring up that we did not expect. Those battles that come at us from the flank and we never even considered to look over there, and all of a sudden we find ourselves mixed up in something that is uh, draining our resources. I said earlier, I'll reinforce it here, the battles of our lives come by the truckload. And they reach across the spectrum of our lives, and we find them in all kinds of places, most of which we don't really see them coming. Let me give you a couple of examples of that to make sure. I, I, I told the early service today that uh, Teresa and I don't, uh, we appreciate where we're living, but one of the decisions we made was we're not, we don't have ca- uh, cable or satellite or anything like that right now. And so that means that I get my news from Facebook. Have you read Facebook lately? It's not a good place to get news, just so you know. And so about 10 days ago, something like that, I, I was on Facebook and I noticed that a lot of my friends who are preachers and uh, a lot of friends from the past and just generally the public at large seemed to be up in arms about something that happened in Charlottesville. And so I got off of Facebook and went and did a little bit of research and I started tracking some of the racial, oh man, what's the right word? abominations that were happening. You know, that's a battle that here on the border we should be well familiar with. This is one of those battles that for many of us may well be where 
we find our enemy standing in front of us with a drawn sword. We, we see it. We get it. But you should know that just because we may get that on the border, the rest of America doesn't necessarily get that that's a battle. Oh, there's a battle for sure. They, they understand that there's some squaring off that's going on. But I want to pull this down into the church. These cultural battles that we face that press in on us from the outside, and if we're not careful, we give way to what we just think is okay, and before you know it, we're tied up in a battle that seems to defy who we claim to be. You know, I came from an area of Texas where the Ku Klux Klan had once been very, very strong. I heard stories from some of the men in our church of some of the things that happened in the greater community of Southeast Texas. And I even had a guy that tried to befriend me, and I finally had to just cut ties with him because his perspective on other people was such that if they weren't the same color of skin that he was, that somehow that made them inferior. You know there's a theological term for that? It's called sin. One of the battles that we best be prepared for is the one of human rights that says, under God, we will treat people the way Jesus intends us to treat them. That won't be easy because there are voices within the church at large that would, not this church, but the church at large in America today that would tell us that we're wrong for that. It's a battle we better be prepared for. Cultural, and that's just one of many, the cultural things that push in on us. And we need to discern those things, and we need to make sure that we see them for what they are and we respond appropriately. Battles come to us by the truckload, and they come across the spectrum of our lives, and so they, they emerge and they pop up and spring up with our own family members. Have you ever noticed how hard it is to get to church on some Sunday mornings without having a fight in your family. And it's over important stuff, like who's going to sit where in the car or which color shoes should be worn with that particular dress or why the wife just can't seem to be on time. That's not my family. That's yours, I'm sure. Here's, here's the good truth for us. Remember, we're talking about discerning the battles. The good truth for us to remember is that when we come to worship together and we come to study God's Word together and we come to do church, the enemy is not too fond of that practice. And if the enemy knows that by being here on a given Sunday, you are going to have the opportunity to hear from God in such a way that might just change your life. You can be sure that the enemy is going to throw everything he can to get us off track. Battles come by the truckload across the spectrum of our lives, and so it's in our relationships, or it's man against nature, it's disease. Those are the battles that we don't expect. A simple trip to the doctor. Maybe it's not even to the doctor. Maybe it's just one of those things that all of a sudden there's a health issue and suddenly the landscape of your life changes forever. 
Battles come by the truckload for us across the spectrum of our lives, and we need to discern what's going on. And when those battles confront us, one of the best things that we can do is pause for a moment and ask ourselves this question, where's God in this? Because if he is God, by the way, he is, and if he's always involved in our lives, and by the way, he is, then those battles that spring up and that come at us from different angles are no surprise to him. And so we do well to stop and discern what's going on, and it prepares us for the battle ahead when we can stop and answer the question, where's God in this? I could go on about some of the other places and ways that we confront battles in our lives, but let me jump uh, quickly over to Ephesians because Paul gives us a little bit of insight about this whole thing about doing battle. And in Ephesians chapter 5, excuse me, Ephesians chapter 6, Paul jumps into this discussion. And he helps us recognize that some of the battles of our lives are what I just got through talking about as it comes to uh, when we come to church. But he says this in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And what Paul then says to us is we must always, if we're to be ready for the battles of our lives, we must recognize that our battle is spiritual more than anything else. And there is an enemy who seeks to kill you as slowly as he possibly can just to draw out the point. We need to discern that. We need to recognize that that's the case. Peter jumps in on this over in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. He says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. I was watching because I get my news from... Uh, from Facebook, I was watching one of those click-throughs. It was actually came from National Geographic. And it was this video of a lioness as she waited at the top of a bluff. That, uh, just below it was a river. And coming across that river towards the camera was a herd of some kind of livestock, water buffalo or something like that. And, and there were hundreds of them. And you could see the perspective and some out on the plain below coming across the river. And as they came across, they had to go up the bank. And as they came up the bank, there sat that lioness as she waited to get lunch. And she was pretty good at it, except she never could quite close the deal. And so as those, uh, whatever the livestock was, came up over the bluff, she would lunge out at them because they couldn't see her. And she, and she almost got them several times. And a couple of minutes into that, I was thinking, well, this is, uh, uh, this is great if you happen to be one of those water buffalo. And about the time that I settled into thinking that that lioness was never going to catch anything and have lunch, suddenly out of the corner or the side of the screen, the lion, the man, the king, darts across and unsuspecting livestock just goes down. I mean, it was over like that. Paul and Simon and Peter would both tell us that we should be prepared for the battles when our adversary, the devil, comes at us like that lion. We need discernment. We need to be prepared. Here's the second big truth of this. 
We're going to have to rush through this a little bit, but don't miss the truth of it. Being battle ready requires that we worship well. This is a little counterintuitive. I, I get that. Normally, we don't, when we go to start talking about fighting, we don't talk about worship too much. But I want you to notice again what Joshua does here. This is in verses 14 and 15. We're back in Joshua 5 now. Notice, notice what Joshua does. And he said, well, you remember the question. The question that Joshua asks is, whose side are you on? The response is, I'm not here to choose sides. I'm not here to take sides. I'm here to take over. Verse 14, and the day, excuse me, verse 14, and he said, no, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. And notice what Joshua does. He fell on his face to the earth. As a rule of thumb, it's not the best battle strategy to put yourself in a vulnerable position. That's exactly what Joshua does here. Here stands before him on the eve of battle, an individual he does not seem to know when we start off at least. And with the information that has been traded, Joshua falls on his face and leaves himself incredibly vulnerable to the wishes of that other entity. It's instructive for us, this posture of worship. It begins by being vulnerable. It begins by checking our own swords and falling before the face of God Almighty and saying, you are God, I am not. And so I assume the position of worship. Joshua falls on his face, and Scripture says here that he worshiped. Here's what we need to get from that. If we want to be ready for the battles that we face, for those Jerichos that are just around the corner for us, we need to worship. Because worship is a positioning tool for us. It's that reminder that says, I don't have what it takes to win this battle. I don't have what it takes to know what's going on. I don't have what it takes to run the show. Joshua needed that lesson because the instructions that he's about to get on how to take Jericho make no sense militarily. Just put the musicians out front, let them blow the horns, and it'll all be over. What? But you see, God prepares him by showing up and showing himself to be involved. For us, as we go forward as a church, we must always worship well. By the way, how about that music part of our worship service today? You know what I've found? That's like every time we show up. Elvin does an incredible job. Our musicians are so talented, and their hearts are so good. I, w I was at a choir party last night. Some of them dance well. Let me finish that in a minute before you get speaking of battles. Talked about dancing this morning in the first service, and one guy came by and he says, Baptists don't dance. Well, I know a lot that do, just so, so you know. <laughs> Joshua models for us how to be ready for battle because he worshiped. We need to worship well. Just so you know, you need to worship well too. 
One of the best arguments for getting up and spending a little bit of time with God before you walk out the door is because when you walk out the door, there's a battle waiting for you. So you need to worship well. It needs to be not just a Sunday thing for us. It needs to be an everyday thing for us. He shows us something else. Joshua does. The second part of verse 14, he responds to that with, what does my Lord say? Another positioning thing. He takes his directives. It's a self-surrender now. Joshua understands a little bit of who he's dealing with. Whether, whether, you know, and we have all kinds of uh, arguments. Is this God himself or is this an angel? Is this an epiphany? What, what, what does he see? Well, what we know from Scripture, which is where we ought to kind of zero in, is he says, I am the commander of the Lord's army. That's enough for me. It's enough for Joshua. And so we come to this, and Joshua submits himself to the authority of that messenger from God. It's a good model. Finally, verse 15, Joshua gets that directive that ties him back to Moses. It's one of those things that would have resonated in his hearing. Take off your shoes because this is holy ground. And so Joshua does so. Best preparation for battles is to worship well, to position yourself under, under the authority of God and to recognize God for who he is and to live your life accordingly. When you do that, you step underneath the authority and the protection of this commander of the Lord's army. What a great place to be. I'll close with this. One of my favorite movies of recent past is one called The Gray. I'm not necessarily recommending the movie for you. I am going to tell you that the tail end of that movie is one that I live on a regular basis. It's a story of a guy. Liam Neeson is the main character in it, and he is, has a plane crash and stranded in the Alaskan wilderness during the wintertime, and he and the rest of his party, and ultimately it's just him, spoiler alert, ultimately it's just him, and these wolves are after him. In the final scene of the movie, Liam Neeson is making the decision of survival. It's one of those epic tales of man against nature. And he's in that final step of the, of the whole movie, and he quotes this little poem. Once more into the fray. Live and die on this day once more into the fray. I say that, whether in my head or vocally with my wife in the car every Sunday before I go to church. You should know it's not because I'm thinking that we're going to fight you and me or anything like that. I've done this for a number of years now. Here's why I do that, because I recognize that every time I stand up in a pulpit like this one to preach God's Word, there's spiritual warfare going on. And if I don't recognize that and embrace that, then I'm apt to be the problem not part of the solution. Once more into the fray. Are you prepared for the battles of your life that lurk just around the corner? In another sermon series, before too long, I will talk to you about worship. And I will come back to say that worship is a dance where God leads and we follow. And the music that plays to that is the music of our lives. Worship is a dance. 
you're about to leave this building and go out into the fray. Are you prepared for that? Let's dance. What do you say? Let's pray. And so, Father, we come again being reminded that life is not easy. But you have promised your presence with us. And for those of us who are facing battles today, some clearly in this room today facing huge battles, we pray that you would show yourself to be real and to be active, to be alive, and to be loving. Help us to worship well. Help us to listen well to fall before you and allow you to be God as we submit our lives to you. And in this moment, we pray that you would change lives. For those who are here that don't know you, we pray that you would help them understand what you offer for them in life. Forgiveness, a new start, life like we can't even imagine it, both here and through eternity. We pray for them, for all of us. Help us to own this message. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to ask you to stand, if you would, please. Time of invitation, whatever God's dealing with you about, you respond to that now. We'll be down front to pray with you.